Welcome to this podcast from Mess to Miracle. Christianity plays a huge role in the fabric of our lives. To be honest, life is messy. Yet in the midst of the mess, God still uses us. The fact that God does is a miracle. This podcast is designed to inspire you in your walk with God and connect you with people and ministries that could be a blessing in your life. You will hear inspiring stories of believers exercising their faith to create miracles in their community. Welcome to From Mess to Miracle. My guest today is Craig Mattis. Craig is a Roger Kate Christian Outreach the Luther Church Missouri Senate, husband to, to Amy and father to Will and Reagan. He received a marketing degree from Valparaiso University, worked in a printing business for 11 years before receiving the call to, from God to work at the church, receiving his Director of Christian Education Certificate from Concordia University, St. Paul. He worked for three congregations in Northern Illinois for over 17 years in the areas of outreach and small group ministry. For over a year, he started his own business, Craig Mattis Services, which provides digital services, social media marketing, website design, management, graphic design, etc. for churches across the country. Besides Jesus' love and justice, you can also find his devotions and small group guidelines, Meet Jesus, Follow Me, and Living Acts, Knowing Romans, on Amazon. We welcome Craig to the show. By Riverside. Well, Craig, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing well, Keith. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you again. Good to connect with an old friend. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I haven't seen each other for a little while. It's been a while. Probably three years since I left Illinois. I so. think so. Yeah. 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 Since seeing you live, I think, yeah, it's been about that time. I right? know. We don't, we don't travel in the same circles anymore. It's always good to have you. So I want I always to get a chance to get a chance to know you better. What's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, I got it from my dad. And I used to, when I worked in the printing business for 11 years, I was doing kind of customer service production coordinating work. And he was our vice president, general manager. We didn't really see each other much. We were in two separate buildings, but one time he came by and I was, you know, all in the heat of some big project. And he asked me, Craig, are you working hard or are you working smart? And from that point, I'm like, okay, let me reevaluate. Have I done a good job of delegating on this project or not? And I worked for a guy. My supervisor was more leaning towards the working hard. And and then he found himself, he worked almost every single weekend. It was interesting when there was kind of a a little bit of a shakeup with our company. Um, And I ended up becoming a... uh, like like a main group leader um, and following my dad's advice, I barely worked any weekends and I would, de- we had like a third shift. I would delegate things, trust people with things. And I was living a much calmer life. <laughs> so working smart than working hard. <laughs> so I give that to my dad for that, for sure. I like that. I'm to sit back and reevaluate my life and I see if I'm working hard or smart, working smarter. Well, and I need to, I'm glad you asked. 
question because I need to ask myself that question again. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So for the millions listening at home, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. This is a hard one. I was asking my wife about it last night. I do enjoy, um, I don't think I really ever post about it. I like enjoy uh, or enjoy restoring old furniture. And um, I just did it within a lot within the last year. My mother-in-law moved from one condo to another place and she had about a bunch of vintage wooden furniture that needed just kind of cleaning up. So that was really fun. And then we have a new baby. Uh, my wife and I, uh, seven plus months, and um, found some really cool like vintage items like on Facebook Marketplace that I got for free that I just needed to give them a good sand job, good good paint job. And they're like brand new. And it was neat because I would even send, I sent a couple pictures to the previous owners and they're like, oh, wow, I'm going to send this to my kids because they cherish it so much that they needed to get rid of it, you know, but they're happy to see it having a new purpose and a new life and being blessed by another family. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things. And when I redo it, then I have to like, just stare at it for a while. I just like it seeing going through this. It's just so cool to see it being transformed. So, um, and I've been doing that for a while. I'm kind of like an amateur garbage picker, you know, that whole thing, you know, one man's trash is another person's treasure. So I've grabbed multiple things you could find in my house. I'm in my basement office here and there's, I've got things that, yeah, I garbage pick that, restored a garbage pick that, and it's that's, been kind of a fun thing for me to do. That's yeah. cool, especially when you're in your role in a pastor, I mean, not as a, not in, in work, working with the church where we're all about restoration and transformation. It so is. Much. It's really, it's funny how God gave me that wiring because, yes, there's nothing more I love than seeing a life restored for Christ, too. Right. So that's definitely, they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah cool. So I'm always curious, you know, if there are people in our lives who shape who we become and help shape our character, who are those people in your life who were an inspiration and maybe even helped shape you into the man you are today? Yeah, I really give it to my parents. Um, uh, yeah, my mom and dad. My dad passed away um, uh, a few years ago. Uh, my mom's 89, living independently, still driving. She's got some pains, as you could imagine. Um, but still resides in her home. Uh, but they, what's been one of their big inspiration things is they both grew up going to uh, Lutheran parochial schools and it made such an impression on their lives. And they were, it was in Chicago. In fact, they met at what used to be a Lutheran Institute. It was just a single Lutheran high school in the Chicago area. It was right in the center really of town. It was near what was the old Chicago stadium. My mom came from the North side. My dad came from the South side and, um, but definitely shaped him. My dad, particularly, hit, both of his parents died before he was 11 years old. And that Lutheran school that he went to, St. Andrews, made an enormous impact on his life. And so where God just blessed um, my, my dad and his business world, um, and with my mom, you know, for their partners on this, they really wanted to kind of give back and see other kids have the same opportunities that that they had. So them, uh, with another, with a group of others, it wasn't just them alone, but they were certainly core people got, uh, this, what is now called the Chicagoland education foundation Clough started to help keep Lutheran schools alive in the city of Chicago. And we just went to a benefit, uh, dinner, um, just this last spring it was over at Brookfield too. Um, but my dad, he gave, uh, I mean, 
and he did really well in his life, wasn't a millionaire or anything, but some of his, his actions, like he, I won't give the number amount, you know, but he was asking, he was giving a certain amount to my former high school, Luther North, sizable amount. Okay. And he asked his, this close friend who was doing really well in the business world, had a big business. Hey, you know, um, would you match that? And not only did that gentleman match it, but he gave that same amount to the other Lutheran high schools. So but God totally used my, my dad, my folks to kind of get that thing going. And um, so I've just always loved that. And they're always just wanting to help people. And just like, I just never, just the way they raised me, I don't really recall any time where Christ wasn't a part of my life. And um, it'd be like doing um, just prayer too. Like we, we kind of did that normal, if you know what, that common table prayer, you know, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And, you know, you, re- you repeated that a lot. But my dad would be like, if we sat around the table, did we pray? Because sometimes if you repeat it a lot, you forget. He Okay, if none of us remembered, we're going to pray it again. <laughs> and he just kept very consistent on that. So that would be, yeah, my mom and dad, they... Um, they're amazing. My mom, even at 89, she's having people at her home once a week. She calls it the open door and God's used her in multiple ways. Uh, introduce, you know, reaching people for Christ and wanting them to come to faith in him. So it's just been beautiful. That is really a neat story. Thank you for sharing that. I'm always curious to, especially for church workers, your journey to become from where you were to serving Christ in the ministry setting. So, Tell us your story. What was your journey? What was what was that inflection point where you said where God maybe pulled you? I know for me it was God suggested when I was in high school, and I kind of said, "That's nice, God. I got other things I want to do," and He pulled me a little yeah. stronger. So I'm just curious, what was what was your journey like? Yeah, you know, for me, like where it really again, I feel I've always you know had a faith in Christ, uh, but when I went to college, I went to Valparaiso University. And started hanging out with some friends who I felt, boy, these these folks are really following what they're saying they believe in. And it was at that time where I kind of had a critical nature in me. And um, I just started reading my Bible every day. Um, and then one day someone actually noticed, I can't remember what their exact words, but words, words were, but it was something like, you're not being as critical as you used to be. And I was like, It wasn't even something I was trying to change in my life. God's word, the spirit just was doing that transforming work in my life. And then from that point on, I was doing a lot more risky things. I was kind of like, I had still more of an introvert than an extrovert. So a lot of things I wouldn't do because I was, I was scared. So, but that moment where uh, I was really, I would say dedicated my life to Christ um, trying out new things. I wrote for the school paper. I was, I read the news on the radio, then led a small group. Um, uh, and even though with having the Lutheran church and education, like my first small group meeting, we went around and I just was a participant and we we're going around in a circle and we're so like they, someone started a prayer chain. And the thing was, um, when someone pumps your, they were going around in a straight circle. When someone pumps your right hand, you say your prayer, then you pump your left hand. Well, someone pumped my right hand and I just immediately pumped my left hand. I'm like, I didn't learn to, I didn't learn to pray out loud with people <laughs> in my Lutheran background, you know? And then, you know, you just advance the clock in a few years. I graduate, I'm leading a small group. Um, 
the folks in the north side of Chicago suburbs. And um, we actually, without even knowing there were small group ministry books, we multiplied into three different groups, did retreats. And, and that was kind of a big spark in my life. And then I worked in the printing business, as I was saying before, for 11 years, but was becoming very involved at my church in Palatine, northwest suburb of Chicago. And uh, then I just felt the Lord doing something with me to like to do church work. I talked with my pastor, uh, Mike Newman, who's now a Texas district president. And he told me about uh, the, the director of Christian outreach degree that you can get with the Cordy universities. Uh, let me check that out. I got in and, and uh, enrolled in the program there at Concordia uh, St. Paul. And, um, and then it wasn't very long before the church I was going to, brought me on board as their director of outreach. And then, so then I, I had been working for 17 years um, doing both outreach and kind of small group ministry for three different churches. And then God, you know, I always like to change things up. And then it was more than a year ago, it was ready for a new transition. And God put this thing on me to start a business where it's been really remarkable. It's like, I'm using for my, I had a marketing degree at Valpo. And then I worked in the printing business for 11 years, worked for the church for 17. I got my director of outreach. So now I'm, I have a digital services company where we're doing social media, website management, um, graphic design. I'm running projects. We're doing this for churches across across the country. I'm really using all of my education and all of my work experience, like almost every piece right now for this position, for what I'm doing right now. It's like, it's like as if God had it planned or something. <laughs> That's great. So that's been really keeping me, uh, yeah, that's been keeping me busy. And I've got my wife, Amy, and I've got two sons, an 18-year-old Will, and now a seven-month-plus-old Reagan. And they're just beautiful boys and just so blessed by God yeah, for that, too. So, so you have an 18-year-old and you have a seven-month-old, so you don't sleep. And you don't sleep for two different reasons. Yes. <laughs> Right. That's right. <laughs> so the 18 year old, we're looking at colleges for next year. That's right. It's a crazy, it's a crazy place. I'm never bored. I so ima- I um, there's imagine. no downtime for me to stray and go into bad places. <laughs> like God's keeping me very busy for his kingdom, for the number one minister being my family. And so, but it's, it's been beautiful. So social media is always one of those things that's become challenging, I think, in today's culture. What is the one suggestion that you have for churches not to do <laughs> on social media? Or not to do. <laughs> All right. Well, not to do. I'm kind of a, um, let's say when you're using graphics, don't use, um, what, do you, what do you call them? Clip art? <laughs> I kind of hate all that, <laughs> you know? And so I was just talking with meeting with one pastor. I'm like, where do they even find the clip art these days? Cause I remember in the past, remember you used to get them on a bunch of CDs. It just looks really dated and we're very visual these days. And, you know, and someone said, you never get a second first impression, right? So whether it's good or bad, when people are seeing your stuff, if it looks dated, they can flip that station. They can flip that to another social media platform in a second. Like they will make their judgments within 10 seconds. So if that's one of the, so that's just one of the things, you know, uh, don't use that on your, on your Facebook, on your Instagram accounts, in your newsletters, on your websites, please stay clear of that. <laughs> that's that's good. Yes. And I also okay. tell churches, be careful of co- copyright infringement. <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. I tell them that too, right? Yeah, try to create, you know, whatever you can. Canva has been an amazing tool. If even get churches can get free subscriptions to it, to their pro versions, not trying to do a Canva commercial, but there's so much out there that you don't have to worry. There's so much available. You don't have to worry about trying to get into that place and worrying about copyright. Yeah. Yeah, when I started a podcast, I realized you couldn't just use music you wanted to use unless you wanted to get sued. So you have to make sure exactly. you got the music approved or buy it. So, Right. Well, and I, was, I used to have a blog that I was running regularly, and I had a friend ask me, um, oh, Craig, where are you getting these graphics? Oh, I'm just going Googling, and I found them online. And he sent me, like, an article, a person who got sued. Like, they literally did. I mean, would it happen? Probably not. But I guess if there's that chance that it could happen, and legally, you know, you don't want to break the law, um, we should probably not do that. Exactly. <laughs> These other people's work. Right. <laughs> For sure. So speaking of people's work, you wrote a new book, a new devotion I want to talk about. It's called Jesus, Love, and Justice. Before we get into it, I want to ask you a little bit, because this whole social justice thing has been it's been a buzzword that's really kind of taken a different, right. I won't say a different path than it originally started out with. When I did mm-hmm. research on the word social justice, it's actually a Catholic term. Oh, um, really? Okay. It's, it's a yeah. virtue. And it was really about in the Catholic church. It was the idea that the people of God would bring together all of their gifts, their talents and their abilities, and they would, as a community, do what's best for the common good of the community. So this idea of social mm-hmm. justice was, the Christian church coming into communities and putting together, like you talk about your dad, having all of your resources to help those in your community, but it's, it's changed lately. So it's very different than what it was designed to be. Right. Right now it's kind of like, well, what's fair for you? I should get, you know, if you got this, I should get this. And it kind of becomes a comparison game. Right. Um, Whereas what you, how you're describing from the Catholic church that was coming from thinking of others first, right? Right. Or now it might be, and I'm generalizing, right? Might be like, well, what should I get and what's fair and what do I deserve? Right. It seems to take some of that attitude. Right. So tell us what you were thinking about when you wrote the book, Jesus, Love and Justice. What were your, what do you hope people, what led you to write it, first of all? And then yeah. what do you hope people get out of when they read, the, when they read the, do, the, do the study for 30 days? Yeah, well, it was inspired. I had a friend, close friend, Al. Uh, we were in small group together, um, just super serious, mature Christian. And um, we just started chatting. And somehow he was just saying, you know, like he's really concerned. He's hearing that buzz word or phrase, social justice. And there, people are throwing it around. He's like, but what does God's word say on it? And in his, I know there's books out there. I know Tim Keller's got a book. There's plenty of books out there, but he wasn't finding things at the time. And, and he really wanted to educate people on the biblical, pers- biblical perspective of social justice. And I don't, I don't know if I really ever thought about it much before. I mean, a lot of stuff was going on in our culture during COVID and um, along the lines of social justice. So let me, okay, let me pray on that. Let me see what God's word had to say. And it really, you know, it's one of those God things where it did not take me even very long. To one, yeah, I'm feeling called by God to write this book or to even find the material to go in this book. I mean, I would say within days, the title just came, Jesus, Love and Justice. And I probably had rough drafts for 15 of the days devotions. It's a 30-day devotional. 
with a kind of a group discussion guide. And um, it's interesting because um, uh, I've been really watching, like writing it. Um, I was very conscious to not like go one political route. It would be really easy to go that way, you know, to pick, to pick an alley, you know, if you wanted to. And I'm like, well, that's not at all what I want to do. I want to go from the word. So I really, while I was praying through each day's devotion, I mean, whereas I'm, I'll share, you know, a story from the word and I'll say like this happened and this happened, like, like a quick example, like I'm sharing um, a story about like David and Saul and um, you know, Saul was super, Saul was the king. David wasn't yet the king, but he was, he was going to be the next in line to be the king. And Saul was super jealous and he's, he's out to get David, whom he used to love dearly. Right. And there's a couple times. So Saul wants David dead. Right. And there's a couple times where David had the opportunity to, you know, um, to be just or whatever, to get his revenge, what have you, what do you want to call it against Saul to take his life? Because his life is being threatened by Saul and his, and his peers were totally, hey, you should do this. Get him now. And he wouldn't. And he completely showed mercy like he really loved Saul. I think he could see beyond. I was just reading a book where it was looking at people either two-dimensionally or three-dimensionally. Like you can see, so let's say if there's an angry person, it'd be easy just to see the anger and just take it at that and be offended and what have you. But will, would you take the time to look at the person three-dimensionally and see, well, is there a reason why there's that hurt? Was there something in his past that caused that? Because if you would take that time to consider that, maybe you'd be a lot more compassionate and merciful and gracious toward that person. And certainly with all that, I put Jesus, you know, as the main word in the title because no one exemplified that more than Christ. I mean, he didn't sin, right? It wasn't fair that he was put on a cross, but he did it for all of us, for all who would come to faith in him. He was, he willingly uh, took his own life, sacrificed his life, um, so that we could be saved. And that, again, that could be like, well, that shouldn't happen. That wasn't just, and like, if there was a, whatever we had our media today, who knows what would happen, but that wasn't his, um, how he operated. He operated with mercy and grace. And that, and someone was just saying there's, there is a difference between those two words, like mercy comes with their knowing there should be a consequence. So if you were wronged, well, there should be a consequence for that wrong, but you um, lift that that punishment on that person, relinquish it, and just forgive it. And um, are we doing that a lot today? So kind of going back to the devotions, so I would share these stories. I give these questions to ponder, but I really tried to write in a way where I wasn't like, I'm not preaching at people. I'm just hoping they'll read the stories read the word, let the spirit speak with them and I'm, and come to their own conclusions. I'm hoping which align with Christ. And we were talking earlier, um, you know, there's different ways to read it. You can read it as an individual easily, but I really encourage people to read it as a group because it's in that group setting that your biases, your, your opinions um, might get lifted up 
and you might get challenged. And then maybe it'd be that opportunity. Like, oh, okay, this has just been my opinion or my thoughts. Um, but this is not what God wants for my life, for my attitude towards my neighbor. And, uh, okay, God is shaking me up with this and messing with me to grow to be more like Christ. And that's that's really what I'm hoping would happen from this book. So you get people out of their echo chambers and start listening to each other. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now a word from one of our sponsors, For Freedom Mobile. If you're using AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, then you're being tracked. Mobile providers collect your location, communications, internet, internet activity, even your financial transaction. They sell that data to anyone willing to pay for it and provide it to the government without a warrant. Switch to For Freedom Mobile, and you won't ever have to worry about big tech or big brother tracking you through your mobile phone again. For Freedom Mobile provides secure, unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data for just $29.99 a month, and it includes free internet roaming in over 200 countries. Sign up for the service by visiting forfreedommobile.com and using the promo code BRIDGEBUILDERS to get your first month for only $9.99. See forfreedommobile.com for details, just like the number four, freedommobile.com. Exactly. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I shared the book with multiple kind of, if you would say, um, on the different uh, political realms too, you know, like I could have easily, let me just show it to this side and get their opinions. Oh, it all looks good. And I was trying to be intentional also like, so both of the two mid main political parties, I gave a reading to each, you know, and then I asked, did you see any leanings one way or the other? And I, both of them, I felt they were going to be honest with me. Um, neither went that way. And they felt it was just being uh, rooted in God's word. So that was, that was good to hear. Cause that's what I wanted for the book. You know, you mentioned the word mercy. It was interesting. I did in my Bible study, I covered mercy in one of my devotions. Um, and the chapter was a good Samaritan. And as I was studying that, I came up with a different definition of mercy. Cause I looked at the story of how the Samaritan interacted with the man who fell among the robbers and Jesus' response, because it starts out with he sees the robber and the Samaritan, Jesus says, had compassion on him. But when, the, mm-hmm. when he asked the young lawyer, you know, what, what did you, who, who showed him mercy? He says the one who bandaged him up and took care of him. So it right. shifted from compassion to mercy. And what was different? It was, you know, and I use the example of I, sometimes I'm up late, can't sleep. And I'm watching the TV and the commercial comes on for the dogs who've been abused and they're on, you know, they're on television. It says, adopt this dog and this cat because they've been abused and take them home. Mm. Now, when I watch those, you know, those those poor animals look like they were abused and they're cold and they're shaken. And I have compassion because you you can't watch that and not have compassion. But that's not mercy because me watching Mm. them going, oh, that's terrible. And then turning the TV up and going to bed isn't mercy. What makes it mercy is when I pick up the phone and I call the adoption agency, I adopt the dog or the cat, and I bring it home, and I show it love. That's mercy. So there's, an, there's an action with it. You're yeah. So I say com- mercy yeah. is compassion plus action. You know, it's not That's just good. sitting That's there really going, good. oh, my heart breaks for you. I'm going to walk away and leave you. <laughs> right. Right. That is excellent. Yeah, that's very good. This is so cool. So as as people read this, and you hope they they 
they look at it and begin to assess their biases and start to look at justice from God's perspective. If you were trying to help someone who's trying to figure out how does God define justice, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's going to be, you know, like there is a payment for things. So when Adam and Eve sinned, I mean, he said it, you know, like if you eat of that tree, you're going you're gonna to die. There's going to be a death involved, right? Because he's a perfect God. So there's going to be justice. But the difference between, you know, uh, Christianity and all these other world religions, um, we have like if we were up in front of a, we're in a court and we're going to be charged for something. Um, in God's justice world, it would be like him as the judge. Like if we were found guilty for something and then we're, we're given whatever that punishment is, he would walk down, like take off his robe. And he would take our punishment. So there needed to be a justice thing going on to kind of maybe, I guess, even the scale that may not be the right phrase to use. Um, But something needed to happen. But yet you can, there's this opportunity to show what you're saying, mercy. And it's not just um, uh, awe, you know, you know, that's so nice. I should help that person like you really do. And you step up. And you help that person. But yeah, there's going to, there was a penalty for sin, you know, so there is going to be justice and, and God just knew in, in how he created this universe with creating justice, right? It had to be something that he created um, that uh, he, he knew that we were never going to be able to live perfect lives. And he was able to set up that plan right away in the beginning, right? And Chapter three of Genesis said the seed from Eve, Eve would come and crush Satan's skull, right? And uh, there's already a plan right away to save us, which is amazing. That's great. So, Craig, I'd like to ask my, my, my guest, too. Uh, one of my favorite questions is, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, you know, I never really, I don't know if I've ever really thought um, about that before. Uh, you know, even with working when God, when I got that, um, call from God to work for the church, I also, uh, felt almost right away. I'm never going to be one who's going to retire. Like, I just want to work like Billy Graham was such, you know, beautiful example, mother Teresa. I want to go really my whole life (laughs) serving the Lord. And I suppose that's the example I would want to show to other people, to my sons, you know, to whomever. And it's not like, and it's not, Hey, everyone can retire and that's beautiful. And, but maybe for those who maybe have that quote official retire, that doesn't mean you just, there's so much you can do. Right. And in the kingdom of God. And if you were such a blessed person, I'm sure you were blessed with so many resources and knowledge that you can pass on to other people, not just, just be all about, of just finding pleasure in your later years, you know? Um, so yeah, that, I guess that's, I don't know if that's such a great example of that, but I never really thought about it. I mean, I, I, I'm a person that I, I hope people look at me as being one who's gracious and kind and, um, um, and lives that way. And, and it's all motivated by Christ who lives in me. 
That's cool. So where can people find your book and where can they find you on social media? And tell us where they can can also find find your business too. Yeah, this is going to just kind of be easier to give the, uh, so you can find the book, Jesus, Love and Justice. Just go on Amazon. So the printed book's right there. Um, I haven't yet put it on Kindle, but that's coming soon. And then if you just go to, for if you find me on Facebook, that would be easiest, you know, facebook.com backslash Craig Mattis services. That's M-A-T-T-E-S. Um, you can also find my website is also just www.craigmattisservices.com. So that would be, yeah, the easy ways of finding me. Well, it's so good connecting with you again, my friend, and blessings on your latest book. And may people find it and really wrestle with the ideas of what does God mean by love and justice, especially in this world where things are so difficult to wrap our minds around what that looks like and how it's been perverted by the world's idea of justice. But mm-hmm. getting back to I love the fact that when God talks about justice, it's always that he's slow to anger, slow to move, giving us a chance right. to reconnect with him before God brings right. down whatever necessary punishment we have because of our actions. So, For sure. For sure. Well, thanks again so much for having me, Keith. Really, really a pleasure. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for joining us this week on From Mess to Miracle. Make sure you visit our website at HHTPS from mess to miracle.buzzsprout.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply like to tell a friend about the show, you will help us get the message out to bless more people. If you like this show, you might want similar content. You can follow my blog at www.alightbreakthrough.org. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Just remember, out of our messiness, God makes miracles.